What's going on, Shelly? Not much, man. Yeah, just chilling. Trying to avoid like, Twitter. Do you like that we uh, we change your name from Shell to Shelly to Josh every time? No one's going to know. You're the same producer, right? Yeah. This, the podcast is uh, popular enough that we just hire a new producer every every episode. <laughs> also, uh, it's also uh, infrequent enough. You know, I know this is a long, long anticipated, maybe not much anticipated, uh, episode two. Yeah. We have Austin on, Vision Cast. Austin who? Austin Neal, a.k.a. Vision Cast. Nice. A.k.a. Austin Matthews, a.k.a. Oh. Austin Mahone, a.k.a. I don't know any other Austins. He's my favorite commentator slash hockey player slash uh, Austin Mahone <laughs> music pop singer I think <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, so yeah we're going to uh, clip to the interview in just a few seconds it was really fun great insight on on sort of the COD community the casting community a little League of Legends talk a little Clayster talk a little Looney talk which actually leads to what we're going to do after the interview. Uh, Shell and I are just going to kind of break down our previous guests and uh, all the drama that went down with them this week. Yeah, and get their takes on the Canadian $1 coin. <laughs> All right, we now uh, welcome on uh, Austin. Visions, uh, pretty pretty well known, growing name in uh, in gaming. Uh, really picking up as a commentator right now. Do you want to talk about how you've kind of made that transition uh, into being a commentator? Yeah, so um, I'm going to get into into some long stories here. I feel like so I'll try to like keep <laughs> everything like uh, kind of short in a sense. But I, yeah, I got into I mean like Call of Duty and like you know the gaming scene in general as a as a competitor. You know, I was traveling within you know Ontario. You know, winning some events, things like this, and that's kind of where everything had stemmed for me originally. And that's where the passion for gaming, I guess, really had came through right away. Um, and then that kind of led in towards. You know, playing, competing for three, four, five years, I think. And then once the jetpack era had kind of come through for Call of Duty, that that was enough for me to be like, all right, this doesn't feel like COD anymore. And I then went into League of Legends. And that's where my commentary kind of started to come in. I had went to school for journalism and I met a professional or a semi-professional commentator. And uh, he had kind of taken me under his wing in a sense and started giving me the connections. And that was about two years ago um, when that happened. And I basically got all the hookups and all the connections I needed to, to start getting into it, which is the hardest part was doing it live. I was doing it on my own, on my own YouTube channel for, you know, a good amount of time, maybe about six months or so. And that kind of led into taking things a lot more serious, realized that I was, uh, I was pretty good at talking and pretty good at exploding uh, on really important moments and bringing a lot of energy and, I was like, all right, I can, I can definitely pursue this and see kind of where it goes. And that's what led me at least in towards commentary. And it all started within, uh, within League of Legends. Yeah, that's awesome. Make, making it easier on us too. Just, uh, we ask one question, you know, give, <laughs> give us a long answer and then, uh, and then we're done. Uh, Fair enough. So what, uh, like, do you, 
still enjoy competing or is it more like you just do it for fun now there's no stress and you're just fully focused on like sort of this career move so it's kind of interesting because like there was there's always like a part of me that's like wish i kind of went all in on it i I feel like i never really went all in on competing um and i mean like like generally speaking you know without like you know every kid that would come in here and say listen i got nasty i can still make a pro like (laughs) i still think like I I'd say that every compete. day. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, right. Like you still think you can do it. Like I do think I can compete at like at a pretty high level. Like I still play, you know, with uh, like some professional Call of Duty friends that I do have, and like I can keep up with them. It's not like I'm like miles behind, but um, it, it's kind of weird because you know, I, part of me still wishes that I did, but another part of me is like, listen, like you kind of have to realize when you got to put down the six, there's like that moment that comes, you know, where you got to get out of your parents' basement after, you know, <laughs> 10 years going hard. And it's like, all right, dude, I gotta, I gotta figure out what I want to do with my life. I gotta make a living. And that's really what I think kind of moved me into it and it made, made me not want to, I guess, compete. Cause it is a big risk, right? Like you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're definitely going out on a limb. So I guess that's kind of like one of the big things, but there, there's definitely still a part of me that is very, very competitive. I still enjoy playing call of duty at a pretty high level and i have plans going into what's cold war for as far as like what i want to do around still playing the game actively but uh but yeah it's it's definitely a, a tough topic for me because it's one of those <laughs> things you know you wish you kind of went all in on it but i feel like i never did are those plans more content focused or is definitely it, uh, definitely yeah. yeah i can't uh i can't touch on the on the content idea too too much but kind of involves almost similar to what we're doing for as far as interviewing and playing um but uh yeah once once the the full game of cold war actually drops then i'll have probably some kind of announcement on twitter for as far as what i'm looking to do with it that's awesome Awesome. yeah definitely yeah we'll both be uh tuned in for that Mm -hmm. what do you think kind of obviously as someone who's done this transition but do you think and it's like one of the hottest topics every year and and pretty much across all esports do you think age is a is a big factor in, in decreasing abilities for competing? So this is an interesting topic. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I so, feel like we, we could yeah. do a full podcast on this. I'm going to see the clip online. But yeah. um, <laughs> so I'm actually really... Uh, I'm really on the side of things that, no, I don't think age really plays a big factor for as far as, uh, for as, far as how you're able to get yourself to a point where you can still compete at the highest level. And I think the best example is Clayster and Crim6. I've been a long Clayster fan, like through, you know, being just a, a regular fan within the community and, and, and Call of Duty in general. Clayster's always been the player that I followed the most. And I feel like Clayster has been able to now go back to back. And yes, you know, it was 5v5 compared to 4v4. Um, and, you know, it took him a long time to be able to get that win under his belt, I think over like a thousand days. But I think like that point shows us like, people can still compete at the highest level. But on, to- on top of that as well, I feel like esports is still really young. So it's like, it's really hard to judge, you know, when, when a couple of players have bad performances, it's because also the game changes every single year. You're playing a different mm-hmm. game from a different developer. So I think there's like a couple different, um, I guess, things that go into it. But personally, I, I don't think that age um, affects the the competitor. And as they get older, especially like, you know, with late 20s, like I, I still think that Clayster is going to be competing for a couple of years as well as other, I guess, older members in the Call of Duty scene as well. Well, there's, I mean, there's something to say about like experience, right? Like, sure. Absolutely. I mean, early 20s, you're just like, oh, I, I can pop off like in, in certain moments, but you don't, you don't quite have the grasp of the game down, right? Like the strategies and all that. Um, yeah. And they're done there moments like, for the older players, they're like, okay, I know what I got to do. 
and it's it's more of a muscle memory thing rather than a skill based i guess yeah I, I do agree with you. I, I think like what Clayster's done specifically, you know, with back-to-back years now where he's taken like younger talent underneath his belt and he's been able to, like you said, like, like kind of teach them and bring some of that experience. So even if he's not dropping, you know, insane numbers, which you know, at champs, he, he actually popped off mm, and played yeah. insane. Um, <laughs> like he, he's still able to provide, you know, some kind of like, like some kind of experience and is able to teach these, these young guns, you know, how to play the game. Because you look at Simp, who didn't come in towards the end of the season in Black Ops 4, and he was able to mentor him. Same thing with Abizi, came from the Search and Destroy scene. Then he does the exact same thing the next year with Illy. Shotzi, obviously, already a world champion in a different game. So he has at least some of that experience already behind him. It's just learning the new FPS and the little mechanics. And, I mean, he got mm-hmm. the mechanics down, let's be honest. Yep. Best movement yep. player in the game. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think there's something to say about, uh, about older players being able to, to really bring up young talent and turn them into crazy MVP candidates. Yeah, for sure. And I think Clayster is a guy too that he just always seems to zag when everyone else zigs. Like he, mm-hmm. you'll just see him like hopping bomb at a time that makes no sense <laughs> or like he'll rotate at an odd time and you'll just see his little character on the map and you're like, what is going on right now? But it works more than doesn't. And that's stuff that kind of someone coming in young onto the scene might A, get benched if they try it and be <laughs> might not just have that commitment to be able to go all in on it and and do something like that um but anyway kind of building off that you obviously have started a uh series that you might be able to speak more well you'll definitely be able to speak more of this but it started sure. as tactical insight yes. and then you kind of got picked up with dallas empire and, and you've done a couple of videos for them so mm-hmm. How did that idea start? And obviously, I mean, I think Clayster commented on that. That's huge. And <laughs> I mean, a bunch of kind of the gamers hopped on that. What what did that idea come from and, and what's kind of the, the vision for it? So it's it's really interesting because this only this, this idea only came to fruition because I didn't get picked up for Challenger Finals um, at the end of the year for, for the talent team. And not gonna lie, I was a little bit salty about that at the time. And was like one of those phases where it's like, damn, like I worked for this the entire year and this was the goal and I didn't get it. So it really hurt and it really, uh, really sunk in. And I was like, okay, like now what? Like, you know, like, you know what I'm going to do? Cause we're about to head into the off season. This is gonna be a really long off season before cold war comes out. Um, I'm, I'm doing casting full time now. So like really, what am I going to do? And it, it came down to the point where I'm actually now really thankful that I didn't get challenges finals. Cause like, I had to hit from a different angle. I had to be able to attack the scene. And obviously the goal for me is to get to CDL and I can't purely get to CDL just based off my casting. I have to be able to bring something else to the table. So I'm very, very close with the editor that I work on and we go 50, 50 with the series, which is loophole also known as Lucas. Um, very, very close friend of mine, known him for, you know, about six, seven years. And I came to him with an idea. I said, Hey, what if we do something along the lines of, you know, breaking down a specific moment in the game that the casual fan might not understand because let's be honest, modern warfare, you're like, what the hell is happening sometimes because there's so much in the feed and you know what i mean it's, it's really hard to track even for someone like me who's played the game for a very long time at times i'm like dude like i need to watch that over to understand exactly what happened so that's where the idea kind of sparked for me and i'm like okay what if we take a moment and just try to break it down and part of that also came from a series that was done in league of legends by jat and uh as well as Zyrene, where they did team fight breakdowns in league of legends that's what kind of sparked the idea for me and i went to lucas and lucas just blew it out of the park like i'll be honest like i was expecting oh, yeah. him to do some arrows on the map and like kind of explain where i was directing the conversation and why something was important but lucas absolutely like a just blew my expectations out of the water. I was not expecting what he was able to do. And I know he's a good editor. Like I've worked with him and he's done work for me personally, but that was really, I think the, 
the part that brought it to life. So the, the idea came from me not getting a gig that I worked for the entire year, uh, <laughs> combined with me realizing I need to be able to attack from a different level and I need to be able to bring something else to the table if I were to be in the conversation of being on a CDL uh, lineup for, for the next season or the season after. So that was kind of really what, what sparked it and how we kind of ran with it. And then obviously it picked up way more than I was expecting. I think the content is really, really valuable. And that led to me going on Hex's podcast um, where I asked a question uh, to him and Andy on his uh, NRG Duo podcast. Mm-hmm. And I, I, pit, I, I guess I kind of pitched the idea, you know, I kind of threw it out there and I was like, Hey, like, seed. listen, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? I'm like other CDL like owners are interested in this. And as soon as I said that Hex picks up his phone, he's like, what's your Twitter? You know what I mean? So like I, I kind of planned it in a sense a little bit of hex Jesus that would be really funny, but um, it was, it was, I, I wasn't sure if he would, you know, just pick up on it and just run with it. And that was the show. He's like, listen, I want this on the Huntsman pre-show for the five uh, or the, the game, the game five round 11 that they played up against uh, in the, in the losers finals or rather loser semifinals. So that's, uh, that's kind of where everything had sparked. And that led into me doing the three episodes, the third episode, I think coming out this week for taking the throne. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the story behind it and how we kind of brought it to life. But it's, it's a big shout out to Lucas, I think for really executing like incredibly well. Yeah. I mean, the, the visuals are amazing, but even with like, like your commentary on top of it just brings it all together so nicely that it's uh, <laughs> Thank you. like any casual fan can watch it and be like, Oh, I, like I, I understand it. <laughs> like, right, right. And, and I mean, for myself, I, I watch, but mm-hmm. even some of the stuff you were talking about and showing, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Why I didn't clue in before, but uh, just the, the video brought a lot of things together. And I think, I think it's something that uh, esports has definitely been missing um, until now. So. Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate that. I, I think that that's really the big thing too. I noticed is that the scene doesn't have anything where they go into in-depth breakdowns. Not to say it's like you know super in-depth. Like I'm not calling timers. I'm not calling you know like what tacticals yeah. and nays are up. But it's enough for the casual fans to get a better idea. And that's where I think the big missing piece was because there's nothing like that. I think in the scene. So yeah, we're definitely gonna roll with that for sure going into what's Cold War. Definitely yeah. excited to see. Yeah, it. I think it's uh, it's just a perfect blend of kind of you'd be totally new and you can watch that. And it's like, Oh no, I get a little bit now. I'll watch for that. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, when you watch it live, it's impossible to pick up on every <laughs> exactly. little thing. I mean, you'll be watching a, a search map and it's a two V five. And then all of a sudden it's a two V two. And you're like, <laughs> what just happened? Like maybe it's just screaming. Like you just, you're lost. Right. So uh, yeah, no, those are uh, really cool. I'm, I'm happy for you that those are picked up. Cause I, I think they're like super fun to watch. Super super easy to watch too. I mean, it's not like you're sitting down for 15 minutes. Like it's a couple exactly. minutes and it really, really, uh, yeah, we're, cause we're in the TikTok uh, generation. We gotta- that's right. <laughs> you know, you're, you're yeah. exactly right. It's gotta be quick. And <laughs> the idea was to keep it a Twitter series. I think that's mm-hmm. where I was really successful with my idea. When I, when I pitched it to Lucas, I'm like, listen, I want to keep this on Twitter specifically because people are going to like engage more on Twitter than they are to click on a link to go to YouTube. You know what I mean? Oh, that's, yeah. just, that's just how it is. Like if you show a quick clip, like, they're gonna be like, whoa, like what's going on here? They'll actually take the time to watch it through rather than, you know, you know, go to a link. And you also like get engagements from pros a lot easier than, you know, they're not going to mm-hmm. retweet your YouTube video, but they might retweet the Twitter video because, you know, it's, it's just content that's on the platform. So that was also kind of where the thinking came from too. Nice. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, uh, switching up a little bit, uh, looking at the roster mania for this year, mm-hmm. has anything stood out to you? I think there's kind of five teams that are, sense solid and the rest except for one are kind of set up what do you think of uh, Minnesota and Seattle they're kind of the two teams that obviously aren't 
weren't elite last year that are, are locked in stone. Do you have any uh, takes? Do you think they're both improved or? Um, I think Seattle improved, but I really think that roster is going to be hit or miss for me. Um, it, it's, it's, it's tough, right? Because the big problem I have with that roster in particular is two players on that roster are extremely emotional. Um, Pristini and Gunless. Gunless has been dropped to, I want to say, maybe in Black Ops 4. I don't know for sure for Black Ops 4, but this year, obviously, he got, he got dropped from the Huntsman um, a little bit after the first event. So that's obviously a problem. Huntsman's been dropped, or rather, Gunless has been dropped in the past. And I think that's, you know, something that you're like, all right, this kid's absolutely nasty. He tears up the game. He's someone who can always go big. But, you know, that poor type of attitude like is that going to have an effect and Pristini and Gunless are pretty close you know they played together on uh, United back in IW so I think there's something to be said about synergy there and I think Looney really complements 4v4 really well and he teaches the game and picks up on the game extremely quickly which uh, I think is is something that's going to play really big like I'm World War II clips of Looney is just like literally just proning down on the map and just calling out specifically where everybody is and what to do and like literally like micromanaging his team in world war two when he was on rise with, uh, you know, with TJ gunless and, and, and whatnot. So I feel like, uh, that, that roster could be hit or miss, but I think it's really going to be improved from last year, of course, because they had, you know, the worst placing, yeah. um, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, Minnesota, I'm not really sure. I'm actually not even hundred percent sure what Minnesota docker roster is. Do you, do you have it on him? Yeah, I got it. So they, uh, they have, they got, uh, Presa and Major Maniac from oh, Fate. That's right. And then they got Attach and Attach Accuracy. Accuracy. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Attach and Accuracy, the duo, they've been together a long time. Really, really good friends. So Synergy's there. Not really sure how to feel about the combination, though. Like another like hit or miss type of roster. Priest is nasty. You know, could again complement that team really, really well. But I think it's really hard to say. To predict how that team's going to do just simply because like there's a lot of like different type of play styles on that team and whether or not they're going to mesh or not i think is, is really going to be the question which is kind of the hard thing about forming rosters before you know a new game comes out right like you're just going mm-hmm. off of how they previously played or at least their play style and you're trying to fit that you know missing piece of the puzzle in so minnesota rocker i think it's going to be a middle of the pack team i can't see them being a top team i think that's really my prediction coming into uh, at least the first half of the year for as far as the roster yeah, I totally agree. I think Minnesota's kind of just in that five to eight range for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas I think if Seattle starts well, they'll be in the top five potentially. But I think sure. I could see them in the bottom four. <laughs> it's, possible. it's possible. Almost equally as easily. But <laughs> yeah, what about uh what about Paris? They've kind of been the oh, laughing dude. point of Roster Mania. Do they like could I just uh, I know a little bit of French from yeah you know they just let me make a comeback here and i might uh pull out my french you know yeah. it's uh it, they're, it's, they're it's only it's offering so minimum wage yeah so. right like i feel like that that just screams that the organization is in trouble so like obviously there's like a lot of players that want to just compete in the cdl but like do you want to compete for a team that's like already showing some red flags, like for as far as, you know, what they're looking to do? Like, I think that's the big thing. You have to think like a lot of players are, are going in towards uh, fighting in challengers. Like that's, that's obviously going to be a thing going down from five to five to four before a lot of players are going to lose their jobs, but you know, is it's going to come down to, are you just going to play on a CDL team simply to play? Or do you think you're going to be able to win on that roster? My 
answer for that question is no a lot of the time. I think that roster is just looking to just get four players and one sub because they have to get a sub and they want to pay everyone minimum and they want to like also, you know, keep players from that region as well. But those players from those region, I don't know if they're going to take that pay cut, you know, to just simply play. It's that roster is up in the air. I'm worried. I'm worried for Paris. I, I really am worried for Paris. I think there is likely going to be like, four challenger players from maybe EU that end up on that roster. And I, I think it could be a massive flop. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it makes no sense to me why Agreed. you have a team and one year later, you're just not willing to pay anyone. Don't want anyone. Just want people from that region. I think they're uh, pretty much penciled into everyone's uh, mm-hmm. 12 seed right now. Yeah. I think so too. <laughs> um, so I've only got one more question left. But yeah, we'll go back to your uh, commentary. What is what is one of the, in your opinion one of the best or most interesting games that you've ever commentated? Or you can do the worst too if you wanted. To. <laughs> so like, man, it, it, I'm kind of torn between you know League and uh, and Call of Duty for as far as like the most interesting. There's something to be said about League of Legends because that's like kind of the community that came up when came up in. That's how like I built my name. Like that's how I built my play-by-play casting and really grew as a caster in general, right? Like when I came over to Call of Duty, I was already like, I don't want to say established, but I already had like a, a big enough brand that, you know, I I didn't have to, you know, go out on a limb and just be like, listen, like pick me up, give me a shot. Like I didn't have to ask for that shot anymore kind of right. thing. Why, um, the, why the change? The change was because League of Legends is very, very oversaturated for casters. Like there's right. hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of casters in League of Legends that are trying to make it towards the top. And there's only top, there's only so many top spots. So part of it was, I think, uh, like financially was definitely the making the move to Call of Duty. I think Call of Duty pays um, a lot more generously than, than League of Legends did just due to so many good casters like being available. And, you know, they're willing to take, you know, a $10 gig for, for a best of their best of three. And, he can't live off that. Right. So <laughs> it, it was a balance of, you know, really what do I want to do for as far as, as my career point, you know, do I think I can make it to a point where LCS, you know, LEC, LP, LCK, whatever it might be like, did I think so? Absolutely. Do I still think so? Yes. But I, I think the problem becomes really, you know, do I really still enjoy doing this? And there's a part of League of Legends where you have to go through a draft phase. You have to go through the early game, the mid game, and then you go to the to the the late game. And that's the most exciting, I think. Like that's uh that's probably my most exciting casting is when you get to cast a 50 minute team fight. And you know what I mean? Like the death timers are like over a minute, and this will determine the game. And there's so much happening. You have to call all the important moments. There's a lot of pressure to do so. You have to end things on a good note all the time in League of Legends. So there's a lot more pressure than Call of Duty, where you can mess up a call and still be able to kind of finish on a good note where that, that just doesn't really happen in league so i think because of the intensity and the pressure of league of legends a little bit more but i moved to call of duty specifically because i grew up in the call of duty scene i competed in the call of duty scene before i moved to league of legends so there's like this passion i think that was already burning inside of me and i was split between both games at the time as well where i was like trying to balance both games so i was casting like six or seven days a week while working at the time and man, I was getting burnt out. I'm not going to lie. Like there was, you know, times yeah. where I was just like, I just don't want to cast. Like all I do is just cast. I don't really have time for me. And you have to find that balance. So I kind of made the, made the risk of, I'm just going to go full-time call of duty. And I did that at the beginning of this year, basically pretty much a month into this year is when I was like, all right, I'm just going to do call of duty and that's it. And I still do, you know, Valorant and stuff like this and like other games, but 
Call of Duty is the main focus. And that was kind of really what led to the big decision coming over was financially. And I grew up in the scene. So there's just that deeper passion, I think, there than League of Legends. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. So what do you, what's all on your plate right now? Obviously, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And you've obviously, I think over the last, I mean, six months, couple of years, maybe five or six years, you've worked out what works best for you and how much you can have on your plate. So what's it? I guess what's on your plate right now and then how is it balancing everything in? And obviously you're producing a lot of things that are working like actual insight and uh, obviously you're casting at a high level. So what's, uh, I guess just what's that like and and how's the balance? So the balance now I think is better than ever. It's when you get to put like your all into, into one game as a commentator, it makes it a lot easier because it's, it's, it's like, when you're balanced between like three or four different games, I think you get spread really thin. This is my opinion. I think a lot of casters have different takes on for as far as what I'm about to get into. But I think that when you cast like six different games, I think you're a mediocre caster at best. And it's just, it, I mean, it's just the reality of what you're doing. You're trying to keep up with six different metas. You're trying to keep up with, you know, like, like six different pro scenes essentially, because you have to have that knowledge. You, you can't simply not know what's happening at the top level because you need to be watching the top level. Um, I found that to be a problem with, with almost two to three games. And I felt like I couldn't dedicate my all into keeping up. So I don't know. I, I, th- I think the big thing is just putting yourself in a spot where you're able to, to go all in and you, you can balance one game, one meta, understand the pro level like at the best you possibly can because that's all you're dedicated to. So right now, you know, I'm just doing casting maybe three, four, five times a week but I'm doing it full-time. So it's just like, it would be a full-time job. Um, and then I'm doing tactical insight, which doesn't take me a whole lot of time to do personally. Like I can write one episode and record one episode, you know, in like five, six hours, uh, depending on how much work I put into it. So like, it's not that hard and I can, you know, chop that up over a couple of days too. I can do two hours and like, all right, you know, I did enough today. I can go back to it tomorrow. So the balance right now, I think is perfect. Probably the best balance I think I've had through my casting career, um, and I think that's helped, you know, with a, with a lot more discipline for as far as um, what I've set up for myself as of late. But I, I think right now I, I have it down. I'm not dedicating hard to, uh, to, or I'm not dedicated hard to a different game right now. So I, it, it just feels like everything is, is perfect, I think, for as far as what I got right now in the offseason. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And I think you're, you're doing the right thing by going sort of strictly to COD if you look at, like, traditional sports that have been around for a long time. I mean, sure. No one's commentating those and, and doing <laughs> too many sports at once. And I mean, well, each, we're, each we're team kinda, has their own commentator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, even just like, if you listen to the radio shows in Toronto, I'm a big basketball guy. They don't have great basketball takes. They're pretty much <laughs> hockey people who try to cover basketball. And right. It's just a nightmare. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's good kind of to uh, set yourself up with like one main game to know everything about, and then obviously yeah, dabble here and there. But yeah, no, I think you're, uh, you're on an awesome path. So that's cool. It was really uh, really fun to talk to you. Do you have anything else that you'd like to plug that's coming up? Obviously, uh, sounds like you have some ideas for Cold War, but it might be uh, not not yet the time to break the news. But, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, so my I guess my next like big cast I guess coming up for as far as what I got is I'm gonna be doing Hitch's Modern Warfare 2 Throwback. That's uh, I believe this Friday. 
Um, and I mean, you know, Modern Warfare 2 is like, you know, like a nine, 10 year old game, like a long, long time ago. So I had to go back and do some research, but that's, I guess, one of the big things I think I have, I have coming up right now recently. I'll also be doing the ghost throwback, um, coming in towards, I think the middle of October. And then other than that, I got a really big CDL gig that's coming up in October as well, but I can't announce it just yet. I have to wait for the team to announce it. And yeah, I'm going to be streaming a lot when the beta drops. Um, I'm going to be doing the content idea that I talked about, which I, I kind of run my own podcast called Into the Vision, but I'm going to be transferring that into the content idea that I kind of mentioned off the start. So that's kind of everything I have going on right now. It's going to be a lot of things and I have to make sure I guess I continue to keep that balance going. Yeah, right on, man. I think I have a, a pretty good guess at what uh, it's going to look like going forward with the uh cold war but appreciate your time now and maybe we'll uh, have you back once that's all going down and we can uh, check in maybe before the start of next season or some other time awesome sounds good thanks for having me guys all right yeah, thanks appreciate awesome. it all right so looking back at our uh, our previous guests uh ca esports slash ca ultra they released the following video where they talk about the roster moves that were made uh, to build around Octane out in Seattle. Here's the audio that they released. This is kind of what makes me think of that. It's the Friendship League, if you Maybe. have Ludi on there. See, he gave no he reason. used to play with Gunless. He used to play with, yeah. <clears throat> it literally is that. Like, There's no reason why he should be picked up this year. He gave us no reason to keep him on the team um, on Ultra. And I think that the other people out there that perform better than him that uh, don't didn't get spot. Yeah, and people are so sitting there going literally... like, "Sorry, I'm cutting off, but just because I want to give you because some people are like, what? It's Looney. How do you see him in 2018? But like, some people are like, yeah, like he was a monster on 4v4. I was like, man, he was a monster two years ago when he was, you know, 25, not 28 on World War II, which is arguably an extremely different game than one we're currently going to be playing. Like, that's not a good enough <clears throat> reason to pick him up, yeah. in my opinion. That's so risky. Like, since... Like age obviously plays a part. The game mechanics play a part. New talent coming in plays a part. Like, how are you? Like, this team went after should have been after John. This team should have been after young SMG players like Pred and Hydra and Fire. And maybe they will. Maybe their sub spot is going to be somebody pretty good who they think can supplement. Because between Pristini and, and Looney, I think you're lucky if one of those guys hits. And there's a potential they might need two or three subs on that team. So it's extremely risky. Although if it works. Yeah. Octane and Gunless, and if Looney, you know, the leadership is there and he can keep Gunless in check, and Pristini is sort of a really good player who a lot of people think he is, it's a good team. But damn, is that risky. So there's a clip. They kind of come full circle and basically say it's a really risky move, what they've done, and, and they single out Looney a little bit because he obviously didn't have great results for the Ultra this past year and, and was benched. But they do say it's kind of a banger bust, and, and they do say that, yes, it could hit, but it could also go so fast. Krim picks this up, Krim6, one of the sort of <laughs> OGs of COD, one of the GOATs, really easy to kind of conclude that he, he's that, especially after winning this year. Yeah, one uh, of the biggest names in COD, easily. Yeah, picks it up, uh, quotes that video, tweets it, this just pissed me off. One, Looney makes the people around him better. An often ignored attribute in COD because it cannot be quantified. Uh, fair? I don't know. What's your take there, Shaw? I, I mean, I have, I have a few things 
Spencer and Chris, good guys. Uh, loved having them on. They, they they make good content. I feel they did get a lot of flack for something that's like, I mean, it's that's what they do. They make comments on it, whether it's a hot take or not. I I don't know if they deserved quite the flack that they got. Two, uh, I think Krim's point is valid. I mean, just in their interview we just had with with Austin there, he talked about how experience in in players is is very valuable. Like, well, in any sport or esport, um, they definitely teach maturity. They teach skill. They teach patience sometimes. And and I think I think a guy like Looney definitely brings that. Um, and and I think based on just the comments in the in the responses alone, I, I think Looney is definitely that kind of guy. He had a lot of guys sticking up for him, which I think is fair. But I don't know. It, it, it's a commentary take, right? It's it's to get the views, get the clicks, and I mean they they successfully did that. So kudos to them. I mean, if Krim hadn't retweeted it, I don't think nearly as many people would have saw it. So um, yeah, you don't think they're pulling uh, two hundred plus thousand views on that? Otherwise, oh, listen, no shade. <laughs> they pull way more than we do, but <laughs> but uh, but no, I I don't think I don't think they would have got the shade. I mean. And and Krim did comment below other things as well that more had to do with COVID and the situation this year rather than the actual uh, the yeah, move well, itself. That's that's what I was going to get into because I think his first point is fine. Yep. These two shared their opinion. Then he, he shared, shared his. his opinion back. He backed up someone that's been in the community for a while that they that he knows and has yeah, played with. Mutual respect there. But then point two and three. Just have nothing to do with these guys. <laughs> and now all of a sudden it does. Yeah. Ultra forced their roster of 10 to stay in Toronto in the middle of the pandemic. Threatening to not pay non-starters if they went home. Continued, despite winning the Toronto Home Series, leading to champs, Barack, who has never played a single match, had to fight Ultra to return home for his grandparents for his grandpa's open heart surgery, there's absolutely no chance he would have subbed in. Very valid point. Has nothing to do with these guys. Like uh, that just needed to be shared. Yeah. A separate Which, tweet. Absolutely. And and is it important and does it deserve the concern that this did? Absolutely. It has it anything to do with no, it has nothing to do with what they talked about. What I think it did though was it everyone flocked to that because that, that's where that point was. So everyone was angry about that. And they just felt like, I don't know if they didn't watch it or like, like some of the comments I saw were like just very aggressive, I'll say. And it could have been because they read that and assumed that that's maybe what they talked about. Maybe didn't listen to the full clip or the full podcast, but uh, yeah, definitely had nothing to do with what they were saying. Valid point and definitely needs attention, but could have could have been a different tweet. <laughs> yeah, I can guarantee you that Chris and Spencer did not reach out to Ultra Management and say, "Don't pay your players, make them <laughs> stay here." We don't want Looney. Don't pay anyone. <laughs> like, yeah, again, valid point, wrong place. Point three yeah. in the same thread. There's rumors that these clowns are wanting a fifty-fifty prize winning split from their team next year while underpaying them. If the price flick goes up, so much the salary. This is the exact opposite of what they're doing. One of the most anti-player organizations I've seen. Again, he's attacking the organization. It, it's just yeah. 
that doesn't make sense to me. I think it's the right thing to do, oh, yeah. but not to bring our first guest into it. <laughs> our first and top three guests that we've had on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, they have the longest run uh, single single run podcast because hopefully we'll get guest number three uh, before <laughs> uh, what's it been a month? Yeah, we're we're gonna be weekly. That's the goal, but. Also, we, we want to get guests that we want to have, right? We don't want to mm-hmm. just make you guys listen to us the whole time. We don't want to have we're not that guests that we're not interested in. So <laughs> that's uh, that's the delay. But uh, anyway, since that's all unfolded, the Ultra have really dug themselves a deeper hole. They released a statement saying the truth about the situation. <laughs> Got into this whole statement, basically said they did nothing wrong. They paid their guys, blah, blah, blah their guys wouldn't come back. It was this whole long statement. They titled the truth ultra, of the situation. Ultra I, the organization, not ultra the podcast. Yeah, ultra. <laughs> I was confused yeah. for a second, but yes, I understand. Yeah, yeah, my bad. The Toronto Ultra, the COD League team, yes. uh, released a statement. In the statement, it was titled, like uh, as part of the tweet, the truth about the situation, which is just an absurd take when it's clearly your side of the situation. Yeah. Because then uh, Barack came back with his own truth of the situation, which <laughs> is equally as believable, if not more believable. I tend to side with the player on this. I think player-driven leagues are the most successful, and I'm just yeah, I'm really disappointed how the Ultra handled this. Also disappointed that it got put on our, our boys a little bit because it has nothing to do with them. But yeah. I'm glad that, uh, that it is out there and that hopefully there's uh, some accountability from the Toronto Ultras team standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of feel bad for everyone in the situation except for the uh, Ultra. Yeah, Looney definitely didn't deserve the hate. Good guy, <laughs> good player. Might have just not been his year. You know, you'll bounce back next year, be better than ever. And then it is literally a whole different game. It is exactly <laughs> every year. It's a whole different game. But I mean, I feel bad for Chris and Spencer. They they voiced their opinion. Was it a hot take? Sure, but what is it? Are they allowed to do that? Absolutely. Well, and if I'm them, man, I'm just cheering so hard against Seattle this year, and I know that's the wrong <laughs> thing to do. But every time Seattle does bad, like if they start the year slow, I have just posted about it, talking about it. Like it's yeah, it's gonna, it would be fun to watch at least in that scenario where it's like, hey, we uh, we predicted this, and I think there's a good chance that that team isn't a top top four or five team in the league so but it uh, could become valid we'll have to wait and see yeah yeah no you never know i mean and as for the ultra situation it it seems pretty shitty what they're doing to their players or what they did to their players it's tough man because like I, I mean it is tough for everyone but as an organization you gotta you really got you gotta weigh the pros and cons of what you're doing and they're definitely the ones i hate in all of this story so <laughs> <laughs> um yeah definitely if you treat your players well, they'll they'll play for you and and boost you up and gain more revenue, more sales. Like I, I don't understand what why why like it was such a big issue. But I mean, 2020, it's been a shitty year for everyone, I guess. So <laughs> I don't know. All right, dude. Well, we'll uh, we'll just keep following it. I'm sure it'll turn into something else, knowing the uh, reality series that is the COD League. <laughs> I'll uh I'll catch you on the next one, dude. Sounds good.
Peace. See ya.